Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. Mark 16, 2. That's a nice little, like, little, like, dip your toe into the story without giving away the ending. Uh, <laughs> they were on their way to the tomb, which we discussed already, actually. The, uh, mm -hmm. the, uh, the, the tomb and the rolling away of the stone. I have a priest friend who's who was saying that her uh, daughter got like a kid's Bible or something as a gift and it ended at Palm Sunday in the crucifixion and then the Bible ended. <laughs> and that was the last story. And she was just like, that's not the point of the whole thing. <laughs> right. If and you skip the resurrection part, you kind of miss the point. I was like, right. And then we all became Zoroastrians again. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait. That would be rad. Or maybe they wanted to just divide the sequel. That was the... Bible 2. Right. <laughs> what happens next? Find out in phase two of the Bible. <laughs> the Bible expanded universe. I mean, in a way, it kind of is the Bible expanded universe. We, we kind of have that. It's anything All that... Paul's kind of, letters, yeah. yeah and, and anything that's spun off from Christianity over the years... Uh, sort of sort of became an expanded universe. I mean, what what is Mormonism if not an expanded Bible universe? I mean even the book of Revelation is kind of like fan there fiction. You go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Who's to say what's can I guess we know what's canon. They decided what's canon. They did decide that was canon for some reason. <laughs> Who knows? Let's just put this crazy thing at the end. <laughs> Some someone was friends with the writer's cousin. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Welcome back to Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bearcast. I'm your host, Phil Gonzalez, and I am so sorry you had to put up with me all alone on my own last week. Uh, but I did get to talk about Easter parades and Easter bonnets, which was very fun. I am not wearing my Easter bonnet because uh, I would not like to overshadow this week's guest by having an Easter bonnet that is the grandest of all. Mm -hmm. uh, we, are, we, we are back uh, talking about the bears and easter and specifically church god and eggs this week with returning champion of the show <laughs> are you a returning champion i hope so <laughs> the reverend lauren welcome back to the show Thanks for having me back. Sorry I had to ditch you last week. <laughs> that is completely understandable. You had more important things going on. Sick children, yeah. Yeah. The one thing in life that we have no control over. Exactly. Well, okay, I won't get into that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. But you're back. And, you know, it, how appropriate is this? Because this episode will be dropping the week of Easter and this book, uh, I guess I should say the title of it. It is The Berenstain Bears, Possessive S, Easter Sunday by Mike Berenstain from 2016. And this book deals pretty much directly with the bears a going to church. Yes, that's pretty much it. I mean, I can be pedantic and tell you that Easter is a 50-day-long feast. Mm -hmm. So this is the first Sunday of Easter. Technically, a, when you say it's a 50 day long <laughs> feast, uh, are mm -hmm. you eating something special every day? Well, it no, I don't, but some people do because Lent is over. So now mm -hmm. it's like you can, you know, get back whatever you decided to give up or whatever for Lent. And uh, so we celebrate for 50 days and then we have Pentecost and then we go to ordinary time. <laughs> the next season is called ordinary time. That's amazing. After Pentecost. Wait, yeah. I have a question. Does Forgive my ignorance about all matters religious, but who specifically celebrates or recognizes or participates in Lent? Who who are the who? Because I know not everyone does Lent. Who does Lent? Anyone who wants to. So Lent means spring. It's just an old word that means spring. And it was the 40 days before the first Sunday of Easter or resurrection Sunday, if you mm -hmm. want to use other terminology. Um, and originally Lent was the season where people who wanted to convert would go learn about okay. Christianity and prepare to be baptized on Easter. 
So that's what Lent started. So it okay. was the time to learn and be solemn, mirroring Jesus's 40 days in the desert, basically mm, before his okay. crucifixion. And we do Lent. Uh, most most churches, Christian churches observe Lent in some form. Mm -hmm. um, the Roman Catholic Church seem in the Greek Orthodox Church don't quote me on the Orthodox church, but they seem to have the most stringent like rules and quotes about Lent, like no meat on Fridays and whatever. Whereas like we do Lent, but we don't mandate that you have to do anything specific. Mm. Cause it's interesting. Cause I grew up, uh, my immediate family was not church oriented, but my extended family, my, my, my father's family is very church oriented. And I had never heard of Lent uh, at all until I got a little bit older and I made friends who were Catholic. Uh, mm -hmm. that was like, I was like, oh, okay, that's a thing. And, uh, so I'm what I, I, so for me, it was just, it was a, it was foreign territory. Uh, it really depends on the denomination. Like I can't speak for every denomination. Right. I always say, I can only speak for my own <laughs> traditions. <laughs> um, like my friend, joined uh an evangelical church like a modern evangelical church not a fundamentalist one mm -hmm. and she was getting rebaptized, which i didn't argue with her that you can't do that but anyway uh if you've been baptized once you're done but other traditions will rebaptize people or like every time they want to re-up their faith they get baptized again fine for them so she's like oh, i'm getting baptized on good friday and i was like Wizard, what what uh -huh. what good friday and then in my priest brain, I'm thinking, that's bad. You don't get baptized on Good Friday. But then in my mouth said, oh, great. Congratulations. Right. Because it's not my tradition. So right. what can you do? <laughs> I can see where people would think oh, that's the best time to get it done. But then it's like, symbolically, it's like. No, on Easter, we do them on Easter because that's the resurrection. Resurrection, yeah. Because symbolically, yeah. when you get baptized, you're drowning. You're supposed mm -hmm. to be drowning the person symbolically. Like you're dying and coming back to life in Christ is the right. symbology of baptism. So it sense. makes sense it could be done on Good Friday, but we do it on Easter because that's the coming back part. I was going to say you then you, ha you probably should then have to hold them underwater for two days. Right. Well, yeah, don't do that. Don't, but don't like, do that, please, unless you have some kind of bathysphere. Unless you're the guy from Young Living. <laughs> um, All right. Anyway. <laughs> on that cheery note... Berenstain Bears, <laughs> another colorful, bright book, uh, and, and and appropriately because it's Easter Sunday in the Bears world. Uh, I noted last week that in the Living Lights series, when the Bears go to church, they dress up in suits and ties and their best clothes. But in the main uh main timeline of the Berenstain Bears, which is what last week's book was, the Berenstain Bears and the Easter Parade, it was like, well, we only wear our, we wear our junky everyday clothes to church. Now we've got to, <laughs> but we've got to buy nice clothes for this Easter Parade. So there's a clear like split in bear continuity, the bears who dress up for church and the bears who don't. Yeah. I always say, I don't care what you're wearing. If you show up, come on. I don't care. <laughs> But you know, it, uh, like wear yeah. whatever, just show up. <laughs> and as of course I talked about last week, that became that was like a thing. Like buying new clothes for Easter was like a was like for for centuries a thing. Oh God, I have pictures of me with the little hat and the white gloves and the patent leather shoes with the little frilly socks and the whole the whole nine yards. But now it's a funny story. Women's hats don't fit me. My head's too big. Mm. And most women's hats are one size fits all in quotes. So I, I always want to go get like a fun Easter hat or something and they never fit. I can only uh, wear men's extra large hats. <laughs> you, I guess and you're wearing like, I don't know, like a trucker hat with like a fish hook on the front probably isn't appropriate. Yeah. I mean, I could give a baseball cap and like decorate it, but. I guess. I mean, I guess you could buy, you could buy a fedora and like tip it I do have stuff. a few fedoras i could i could decorate but that takes effort that does take that. effort and effort is the worst if we learn nothing else <laughs> from the berenstain bears uh, <laughs> so they get all dutied up get all dressed up easter sunday is the most joyous occasion of all says papa and uh you know they talk a little bit about you know wearing special clothes for easter as a, as a big like celebration and recognition of the day like it's worth dressing up for they say um they head off to the chapel in the woods and here begins uh, their Easter service. 
Uh, Ms. McGriz playing the organ. I love it. And then the preacher says, I welcome you. Let's celebrate. And I'm like, okay, great. And then they sing an actual hymn that we sing in church on Easter. Do they? As a real hymn. It's a, an old classic. Mm-hmm. And we sing it every Easter. Yep. And what is it called? Jesus Christ is risen today. So they use, so do hymns follow, tend to follow the like uh, Gilbert and Sullivan rule, which is they're just called whatever the first line is? No, and yes. So the okay. music, <laughs> so the music itself has a name. Ah. But we we refer to the hymn usually by the first line. Okay. It's easier uh, for people, but our hymnal has index indexes in the back. So there's the index of first lines. So you can look it up and find out which number it is, but then there's the index of tunes. So if you wanted to see, cause some hymns have mul- some tunes are used for multiple texts. So yeah. you can look that up. Or if you like a certain composer, you can look that up. It's interesting, but yeah, we call them by the first line. So I should have actually looked up what the tune name is, but I didn't. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, I won't ask you to sing it either. Uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> there we go. I didn't know we were going to get a performance today. <laughs> That's the bad version of it, yeah. <laughs> now, does your church have a giant metal Art Deco organ? We do have a giant metal organ, pipes. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It is humongous. Yeah. I'll, put, I'll send you a picture. Our organ is beautiful and lovely, but it's like, it's a kind of a cathedral sized organ. And this yeah. is not a cathedral sized church. So when you pull out all the stops, literally, that's what that means. Pulling all the stops out on the organ, it goes full blast and the whole building shakes. <laughs> yeah. has, that ever ha- has that ever had a detrimental effect on the structure of the building? I imagine so. Yes, <laughs> it is a hundred, and the building was built in 1922, so it's a hundred years old. My high school used to have a uh, an event called. Well, I went to Klein High School. It's called the Klein Jam, and is where all the rock bands, the student rock bands, could perform on stage. The Klein Jam. <laughs> Loud. <laughs> and they said that the first the first year they did the Klein Jam in the auditorium, uh, it was very loud, and it shook the auditorium so much that cockroaches started raining down on the students in the audience because this just was just this thing. It had never happened before in the in the theater. Uh, the entire theater just shook all the cockroaches loose and they just poured down, which to me is probably the most rock and roll thing of all. Yeah, that's pretty metal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but gross. <laughs> yeah, very gross. Big, big Texas-sized cockroaches too. Oh God, that's mm-hmm. Texas-sized 10-4 on grossness. <laughs> Well, there's no cockroaches in the chapel in the woods, uh, but there is Preacher Brown at the pulpit. Uh, he's he's skirting his sermon again, just like mm-hmm. the last book we read. He's like, I'm going to tell you about Easter. I'm like, dude, we already read that story. You're supposed to reflect on the meaning of it. To be fair, it says <laughs> the Cubs knew the story. <laughs> yes. Well, I hope you would. Yeah. Like, at this I, was point. Doing, <laughs> I was doing a baptism once and it was from like people from out of town whose, you know, grandma went to my church or something like that. And so I was just like, fine, whatever. I, I baptize whoever I don't care. And the kid was four because okay. he just never got around to it. And I'm doing my sermon and I said something about something about Jesus. And the four-year-old goes, who's Jesus? And I go, oh my God. And you're getting baptized today. Who's Jesus? Hey, you got to start somewhere. That's a good I first said, question though. I think I said, exactly, little buddy, who is Jesus? I'm going to tell you right now is what I said. (laughs) (laughs) It was just like, perfect. Well, fortunately, the Cubs don't ask who's Jesus, at least this time. Uh, <laughs> that is a very that is a very brother bear should have learned this kind of thing question. Uh, but it, this acknowledges that we've already read two or three books on the subject. And uh, and so they review it. It says that hearing it in church made it seem deeper and closer. Mm. Uh, and it. Yeah. 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 I have a question about Honey Bear. Like, is she consistently, this, she keeps changing age in all the books we read. We must be reading them out of order, right? His brother and sister don't age. I got but- in trouble once for questioning the utility of Honey Bear as a storybook character to Mike Berenstain. <laughs> I remember that. I did hear that one. And and uh, and he was like, and he was like, oh no no no, Honey Bear's great. 
he acknowledged that they have aged Honey Bear up, like gradually, in 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 defiance of the of the idea that the bears don't age. Uh, and I believe it's because he realized himself what a lump Honey Bear was, because as I've said many times. Before a certain age, kids just don't do anything that interesting to a reader. Uh, to a parent, they're fascinating, but to an outside observer, they just sit there and babble. They did that on Modern Family. They had the baby, mm-hmm. the adopted baby, and she was a baby for like one or two seasons, and then they're like, "Oh yeah, let's make her 11. That's a sitcom thing. They did that on yeah. Family Ties. They did that uh-huh. on Growing Pains. Oh, yeah, yeah they... Chrissy, mm-hmm. baby Chrissy, and then they brought in Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Who's yeah. everybody's baby? <laughs> He's all our baby. We all still want to take care of Leo. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. He's a powerful young man. Uh, how old is he now? Like 70? I don't even. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. well, his girlfriends all stay the same age. Hey. He really took Matthew McConaughey's line to heart. He really did. He is. He is. I, what is Matthew McConaughey's character? I can't even think of his character name. All of I can't sudden. remember, but yeah, I get older and the girls stay the same, same age. age. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> anyway. Uh, in any case, uh, Easter. <laughs> so it does say, it says that it sta- the, story of, the story of Easter stayed with them for the rest of the service. So we are allowed to use our imagination and, 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 and assume that Preacher Brown had other things to say. Uh, oh yeah, I was getting a little hard on Preacher Brown. But it could be. I mean, as you as we've read in past books, uh, frequently Preacher Brown just opens the floor up to whomever, uh, Quaker style. So mm-hmm. uh, remember, this is Bear Church, so it's a it's a blend of many different uh, traditions. Uh, <laughs> so he was probably just like, and then Jesus rose from the dead. Now, uh, anyone want to talk about that? No one. No one. <laughs> Oh, there's always someone. That's but, true. <laughs> but we skip over that because the important part of Easter is coming up right now, and that is Noah's Ark. And then I, I circled <laughs> Noah and Mrs. Noah, and I was like, I mean, Noah's wife doesn't really get a name in the story anyway, but Noah and Mrs. Noah. <laughs> they could have at least Noah's wife is look better than that. They could have at least used the name from Darren Aronofsky's movie. Oh gosh, what was that? I never watched it, but it was filmed near me. They built the ark oh, at, wow. at a park near us, so people would be driving over to see it. I don't. That was a, they actually built the set. It was like a real set. Hey, good. You got to have a big boat if you want to have a good Noah movie. Yeah, I've never seen it because I, I tend to skip Bible movies. It's not so much a Bible movie as it is a. Uh weird mystical writings that went beyond the Bible. Uh, let's interpret those because the actual story is pretty straightforward. Uh, yeah, Noah's an interesting guy. Uh, mm-hmm. He was a, an alcoholic, a sinner. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then his son saw his nakedness and was banished. Like, I don't really understand what that was about. As they point it, out. It's very uh, odd. As has been pointed out by many people many times over the years, all of your heroes in the Bible are pretty flawed people. Uh, there's very few who don't do quite a few things wrong. Uh, That's the point, though. Like, all yeah. the saints, we're not perfect. The point is that we can all be used by God for something. So right. even if we're the you know a bad person now, we could be used by God for something. Right. Because that's a problem with saints. I mean, I love saints. I think we should honor people who do good works. Um and we do do, we have saints. Episcopal Church honors saints, mm-hmm. like the Roman Catholics do, uh, which is one of our uh, little quirks that's different from a lot of other churches. And um, they weren't perfect people, like no one is. And that's the point. We learn from their story. And then yeah. sometimes we kind of whitewash them to be, you know, oh, well, Saint Stephen was a perfect guy. Well, he actually kind of was. So that was a bad example. <laughs> well, Saint He's Augustine. Saint Augustine was a great saint. Augustine had a lot of issues <laughs> pre becoming Saint Augustine. So you know we have to also read about that. Yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, the reason we bring this up, the reason Noah gets brought up, is because uh, there's an Easter egg hunt in the churchyard, which first of all looks amazing. Uh, I want to go to this Easter egg hunt. Uh, How much effort did the 
did they put into this? This is like amazing. And as we were talking about last time I was on, no candy because the candy gets the ants and it candy melts. Gets the and, ants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So these are little oriental trading. No, I figured, right? <laughs> they really are. I was like, oh, I know how they got these. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Inside each, each uh, gift box, not even eggs, it's these little treasure boxes. Uh, inside each was a figure from the story of Noah's Ark, a little Noah, a Mrs. Noah, their sons and wives and dozens of animals. And they find them, they put them together into a Noah's Ark scene, uh, which I assume it means there is a Noah's Ark scene set up. The kids find the animals and everything, and then they set them up. And now the church has its little Noah's Ark display. Not that even the kids got to keep these. It was more like a, a seek and find, let's put this puzzle together kind of thing. Yeah, what I would do in that case is if we put the puzzle together, then I would have like goodie bags for everybody to take home. That's the easiest thing to do. But what is the connection between Easter and Noah's Ark? How does that all fit together? (laughs) Where's that one? It's just there's a two-page spread here with Noah's Ark, and I'm just wondering. Uh, All right. Well, I I will do some deep theological thinking on the fly here. Okay. Um, Okay. So Easter is about resurrection, renewal, rebirth. Noah's story is about clearing the earth from all sin and renewing it. So the flood like cleared away all the bad stuff, which didn't actually work, but that was the point. And then the earth was renewed and then the rainbow came as God's sign of everlasting covenant with the people. And Jesus is a sign of God's renewed covenant with the people. There you go. Bam, you did it. There's your there's your Easter sermon, by the way. <laughs> as long as you end it with whatever. Then and whatever. You're, you're good, or whatever. <laughs> then you're good. <laughs> now go eat some eggs. Now let's go have the Easter egg hunt, which I know is why you're all here. (laughs) (laughs) Souvenirs. And so Ms. McGriz, who I guess is in charge of this whole thing, honestly, Ms. McGriz is She's the organist and she's in charge of the Easter egg hunt. That's a lot. That's a lot of uh, dedication. Uh, I'm just going to assume that nothing gets approval happening in this church unless Ms. McGriz puts her stamp on it. Uh, Mm -hmm. But she thought that having the Noah's Ark hunt would be more fitting in a church than having an egg hunt. Uh, and this is where brother and sister go up to Preacher uh, Brown and are like, so what's the Bible have to say about Easter eggs and the Easter bunny? And he's like, that doesn't have anything to do with anything. And they're like, well, then why do we, why is this part of Easter? And it's interesting how Mike chooses to address this, because as we said up top, there is religious precedence and church precedents and Christian precedents for having these symbols. Uh, In fact, there's more evidence for that than there is for what people tend to say is the origin of the Easter bunny and Easter eggs, which is Mm -hmm. all, I mean, I don't know if you want to get into the venerable bead, but there's like, (laughs) it goes... (laughs) Basically, as I've learned doing this show, it's just alone. Researching folklore is basically going, okay, I figured it out. And then realizing that it's just something someone made up in the 1800s and that everyone and that neo-pagans all took on as their own like personal belief. The Venerable Bede is an interesting guy because he wrote Ecclesiastical History of the Church or something. I had to read it in seminary. But then we were told like, oh, he made most of that up yeah. <laughs> as propaganda for the British colonization of ireland um anyway so (laughs) (laughs) everyone had their everyone had their thing um so while venerable beads history book contains real people it's not it's very skewed like like any history book is skewed towards whoever won right so we use the venerable bead with a grain of salt we actually had a church in the diocese called the venerable bead church it closed. Um, well, he's the reason that we were first like, why is this called Easter? What's Easter? And he was the first person who was like, well, there was this Germanic goddess that was worshipped called Esther or Oster, or Easter, however you pronounce it. But he, for like years, was the only like proof. Like it was just his word. People were like, I get. So everything, everyone was right. Then it was like only in like the like the 1950s they finally found maybe some proof that this was a thing. 
but it's all like it's all that thing where it's like, well, if this is true, then we can work backwards. And then someone made up that she had a hair as a consort, but that was just made up. I think that was like Jacob Grimm was like, I think maybe maybe she had a hair as a consort, and then they worked back from there. The, we the reverse long, engineer. We reverse, yeah, yeah. Reverse engineer a lot of it. But I can tell you about where the egg stuff comes from if you Please want. Please do. Okay, so in, sem- in seminary, I had to write an exegesis, which we called extra Jesus, hmm. uh, affectionately. Extra Jesus is like pulling a part of a Bible passage. So I was doing Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, 42 to 49. So in this passage, Paul says, fool. He which he said fool. a lot. <clears throat> yeah. No, <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And as for what you sow, you do not sow the body that is to be, but a bare seed, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. But God gives the body chosen, each kind of seed its body, right? And then Jesus said also, like, a seed is dead and then it sprouts life. So here's what I wrote, quote myself. In Paul's understanding of science, a seed is dead. And when it is planted in the earth, life sprouts in the form of a plant. The plant does not look like the seed. So just as the new life and resurrection for humans will not look like the same body that was buried. This is similar to the beliefs of ancient Egypt and the scarab dung beetle. Egyptians worshiped the scarab beetle in terms of resurrection because they came from inanimate animal dung. Scarab beetle would lay its eggs in the dung and the new beetles would hatch. The Egyptians, although very advanced, did not know about the insect eggs and believed the beetles spontaneously sprung out of the dung. So it was a miracle. Because of this, they attached the scarab to the god Kefir, who was the patron god of the sun creation, life, and resurrection. And it appeared as a scarab-headed man or a scarab or man wearing a scarab crown. So similarly, how a plant grows from a dead seed is mysterious to people in the first century. How a plant grows from a seed is still considered amazing in modern times. However, science has explained how it happens. So in Corinth in 54 CE, it was surely miraculous. So similarly, eggs, eggs are dead things that are dead, inanimate objects from which a chicken sprouts, which they didn't understand Mm. about fertilization and all that. So that's where that comes from, the Easter egg. Miraculous. It's not, yeah, it's not that, you know, yeah, it's, it's a miraculous springing forth of life from nothing, from a dead thing. But now we know what it is because of science right so we kind of lost that wonder of the egg like yeah. back when they st- i don't know when the egg started to be well mary magdalene actually is usually has an icon of her with a red egg i can't remember yeah. why but something to do with resurrection and uh so it's even back then and so then the eggs got tied in with resurrection but then as science progressed and we learned about seeds and eggs and things we kind of lost the metaphor and now we just have these pretty eggs we dye colors (laughs) but it's funny because people will say up and down that like well christianity took the easter egg from other traditions and i'm like every tradition kind of uses the egg like that's a common like everybody has eggs yeah like everyone's like a bird you have an egg (laughs) if your if your religion has a theme of rebirth there is an egg involved because that's that's kind of the go-to like eggs mean spring. That's when the eggs come out. That's like that's that's a thing. And uh and looking back, I'm like, yeah, Mary Magdalene holding the egg. Like you don't have to try very hard to figure out how Christianity is tied into eggs because it's just a symbol. Like that's that's a symbol. Like that it, it's right there. Right. Because she was the first disciple to see Jesus resurrected. And I call her disciple because she was. Mm-hmm. Because we can't ignore, you know, that. The women were the only ones that stayed with Jesus the whole time. So they were definitely disciples. Um, But anyway, so she was the first person to see Jesus after he came back. So that's maybe that's why she has the egg. I can't remember. You know, I should have looked it up. But (laughs) So the way Mike describes it in the book or Preacher Brown through Mike or Mike Mm -hmm. through Preacher Brown is he kind of he kind of. He doesn't avoid the subject, but he basically says that before Christianity was a thing, uh, bunnies and eggs were just part of spring. And people noticed that, like, here's when the bunnies would multiply. And 
here's when the eggs came out. And so the birds would lay the eggs and the bunnies would have more babies. And that's like, and that's symbolic of springtime. And, and so like, since Easter and spring kind of happened at the same time, the, the ideas got kind of mushed together. And I'm really surprised that Mike didn't say Jesus was reborn. And so we, we use the eggs to say, this is the you know a new birth. This is a rebirth. Like I, I I find it interesting that he just didn't take this opportunity to just explain that little bit of symbolism. Is is this one one of the Living Lights series? Yeah, ones? it is. So then, I, yeah, I was just thinking if it was the secular publisher, that would make sense why he wouldn't say that. But it's not the secular publisher. This is the religious publisher. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it is kind of odd that that you would skip that when the, he did so great with the other Easter books were so great in explaining everything that this but, one kind of just glosses over. But on the other hand, I do respect the fact that he acknowledges the, the, the validity and the presence of pre-Christian belief and doesn't say like before people really knew what was going on. It's more just like before Jesus, there were already you know, people were observing and living and having these lives. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, spring is a thing. Like, I appreciate that. I just, I'm just surprised that he went that far in that direction when he didn't even have to. That's true. He might be. So I had this thought, you know, in the Ten Commandments, right? It says, mm-hmm. you know, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods but me. Now, that doesn't mean there's only one God. Right. That means you should have no other gods but me. So that that's never said in the Bible that there is only one God. It says that you worship one God. So, yeah, it's, I mean, that's maybe a bit of a stretch. I don't know if he was consciously thinking about that. <laughs> but, yeah, so we worship one God. And then when we get to the New Testament, we kind of get more into the there is only one God stuff. But in the, the Hebrew Bible, it acknowledges that there are many gods. Ours is the real one. Like ours is the right. true one. But the other ones still exist. In fact, sometimes I sit at their council. That's right. Enough. Like so like Baal is real, but we don't worship Baal. We worship uh Hashem. Right. I would love it if one of the Berenstain Bears books got into that. <laughs> like one of one of the one of the one of the cubs starts worshiping Baal and they're just like whoa, whoa, whoa now. Oh well that the Baal sex cults, yeah. Probably won't happen. Maybe in the chapter books. <laughs> <laughs> that that's the interesting part about Baal had the uh, the uh, holy concubines. You know, anyway. <laughs> well, Preacher Brown is more than happy to talk about spring and eggs and the calendar. I even see like the little Christian fish down underneath the. Uh... Oh yeah, the Jesus fish. Did you steal my Jesus fish? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I know. 30-year-old Seinfeld reference for you there. <laughs> but he talks about, he says they don't really have anything to do with each other. They just happen to come from the same time of year and both have to do with new life. And I'm like, you know what? That's great. Okay. That's great. There you go, I mean, Peter Brown. Why do we have Easter lilies? I could tell you why we have Easter lilies. Go for it. Because they smell. Because they smell so strongly. <laughs> okay. Right. Easter lilies are beautiful, mm-hmm. but they reek and they reek because when you used to have to have dead people in your house, you would put flowers all around to, to mask the smell. And so that was the strongest smelling flower. So it is synonymous with death and resurrection. And uh, so that's why on Easter we have Easter lilies, but also at funerals you have Easter lilies just because the stench just like, you know, when they anoint Jesus with the nard oil, nard oil reeks like it and you can't get it off you. Like if you touch it, it's on you. You have to wash your hands like a thousand times to get the smell off. And that was because we used to prepare our, you know, our deceased loved ones in our homes and they would sit a while and wouldn't smell so good, especially in the desert. It's but now, you know, we do everything in secret. <laughs> But that's Easter lilies. So we always say like form follows function, right? So uh-huh. Easter lilies had a function and now we've taken it on as a symbol symbology. That's fascinating. Death is one of the few things that every human being has in common. Yeah. 
it happens to everybody eventually, but we like to ignore it, but we walk this fine line in life, like with death always on our shoulder, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, but then we try to ignore it. Like it's never going to happen, which doesn't do us any favors. Right. And then, yeah. And then we, we worship a God that was like murdered <laughs> and brought back. People are like, I don't want to talk about death. I'm like, what? crucifix dead guy like i understand they also don't want to talk about problems in the justice system which is also tied in tied in with the same thing uh i talked about that last sunday yeah palm sunday i was like because we read the passion story so i tell them Mm. and go think about where you fit in the story who would you have been right we like to think that we all would have been mary like being faithful to Jesus, but maybe we would have been Peter who ran away, or maybe we would have been in the crowd because oh, I don't like this guy's politics. Or maybe I said, I probably would have been at home doing chores because I hate politics. And I don't want to get involved. Right. And then they also like clench up when I say politics. And I'm like, yeah, it's all politics. Right. <laughs> As we said last time, it's a, it was a, 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 a governor and the death penalty and uh, a show trial. And it was a, Angry court. (laughs) Well, and then you know, I I have like skulls around. It is uh skeleton Wednesday, so I have a skull in my desk. I forgot it was skeleton Wednesday. Skeleton Wednesday. So (laughs) a skull my admin gave me, and I'm kind of a goth person in general. I I love goth. I have spiky boot, you know, whatever. Yeah. And uh, perfect job. I have to wear black all the time. (laughs) And sometimes people give me grief about it, and I'm like, we worship a god who had his own son murdered, brutally murdered, crown of thorns, beaten, nailed to a cross, came back, and every week we eat his flesh and drink his blood. And I'm too goth because I have a skull (laughs) in my desk. Like, that doesn't make any sense. We have a stained glass window of St. Stephen being stoned to death right over the altar. I was like, that's the most metal stained glass one I've ever seen. And they don't even notice it. They're like, oh, this is a nice window. I'm like, he's being murdered in that window. <laughs> You're allowed to have a skull paperweight. But I'm too, I'm too goth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and not to mention, we all have skeletons inside our bodies. So I do. Yeah, I hate to break it to you. He's trying Scar- to get out. There's scary skeletons all inside us. <laughs> Scoopy. So sister has a scary skeleton and also a question, which is, so are we allowed? I'm great at them. So uh, (laughs) she's like, does this mean we shouldn't eat Easter eggs or bunnies or candy on Easter? And the preacher is like, he says, you know what? There's some good people who do believe that. But others think that as long as you, you know, keep things in their proper perspective, it's all okay. And sister is like, great, because she likes jelly beans. And I like that he says, you know, there's some good people who believe that uh i like that too because i like that as well because you know i do in my job we do interface stuff you know and yeah. some churches don't want to play with us it's mm-hmm. fine because they you know they believe what they believe and and we don't talk about them badly you know it's like okay well you know they don't want to play with us because you know we have gay marriage and whatever right or we women clergy but then we the ones who do want to you know, work together, like parishioners say, like we had a really, in my last church, I had a really great interfaith group and we had um, Muslims and Jewish people and we had uh, Buddhists and Baha'i and all this stuff. And like, oh, but they blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, it doesn't matter. They're good people. They're our neighbors. And Jesus said to love our neighbors, whether we disagree on certain things, like who cares if she wears a head covering and long sleeves and long pants all the time? Does that affect your life? <laughs> right. Right. Like who cares that she's a good person? She's my friend. Yeah. Why are we so, fighting? So I think that was really nice that he put that in because it's something we forget. Like we right. just focus on what our differences are. It's like, we're all people just trying to live. Well, especially when another group seems to be a little more strict we mm-hmm. tend to uh, culturally demonize that group. Like, mm-hmm. oh, they don't let their kids have candy on Easter. How horrible. And I'm like, if that's the worst thing they do, that just means that for one day out of the year, they don't want their kids to think about candy. Like, it doesn't. there's nothing wrong. And I like that. Yeah, I like that Mike was like, 
you know, there's some people who don't let their kids have candy on Easter, and they're good people. Like, it's just because they choose to focus on other things. Uh, yeah, like, we don't have, we don't let our kids drink juice. So, mm-hmm. and then some people look at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, no, right. they just drink water. Like, juice is just sugar. And then they think I'm judging them or something. I'm like, no, I don't care what you give your kid. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, to, a, like, to a degree, I'm I don't care what you give your kid. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm like, I'm diabetic, so I don't have juice. Like, I have an emergency juice box in case yeah. or something. And I have an emergency soda in the fridge all the times. It's like, but I don't want them to drink soda, you know? Right. And if you want to give your kid soda, it's fine. As long as, you know, if you're giving your kid like antifreeze, I would have. Um, right. <laughs> That's where you draw the line. <laughs> you no heard it here first. <laughs> you heard it on Demon Bear Country. Reverend Lauren is against giving kids antifreeze. Definitely, it's bad. Yeah. And if you have a problem with that, you have a problem with me. So exactly. uh, take so it up the- with my boss. <laughs> so the bears leave the chapel. They say goodbye to Preacher Brown and Ms. McGriz and all the rest. Uh, they're walking around. Bear Country is filled with robins and bunnies at this point. Uh, and Sister Bear's like, look, it's real Easter eggs. Look, it's real Easter bunnies. And uh, <laughs> She's going to run up and bite one. Right. Yum. <laughs> Chomp. A living McRib. And Ooh. Mama's like, you know what? I think that those eggs and bunnies have more are more part of Easter than the painted ones and the chocolate ones uh, because they're part of God's creation. And Papa's like, yep, we're part of God's creation too. And then they all go home and they enjoy dinner. They eat dinner. Uh, they pray, uh, have an Easter prayer, and they sit around, and it looks like they're just going to eat a big pot of honey. I don't know what else. Yeah. <laughs> Is it a ham? You think they're having ham or lamb? Well, probably a little bit of both. Mm. Uh, probably salmon. That tends to be their big, their big, we're allowed to eat this animal. An edamame. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, uh, they say amen, and then they enjoy the beautiful spring day in bear country. I think we're yeah. having ham <laughs> on a side note. We're going to have ham, I think. My husband doesn't like lamb, so we have ham. You have pre-order- it rhymes. It's fine. Do you have to pre-order it? I don't know how it works. Uh, he ordered one from Fresh Direct. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, He's we'll- in charge of groceries. I don't do groceries or cooking. Smart. That's smart. Uh, well, we will be having our first night Seder on Friday. And uh, and enjoying the weekend, I think Sunday for us, uh, we do we do baskets because it's my little tradition that I've carried over from childhood. Uh, we do baskets, and uh, I think Alana has book group. So <laughs> yeah, I'm like I have to work, and then <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, what will you be doing on Easter Sunday? Yeah, and they're like, "Oh, are you gonna go have dinner with your family? We're gonna like cook a big dinner for your family." I'm like, "I have to work. Right. <laughs> this is work for me. It's a big day. It's hard for parishioners to always be like, this is my job. I'm like, you go to work and work, right? This is my yeah. work because it's their fun, fun or like their leisure activity to come to church, you know." Right. It's like, I have to be here. I always tell them, I'm like, I'm the only one that's contractually obligated to be in this room right now. <laughs> now, there's some, there's a, there's a little page of activities and questions at the end of the book, which I don't think you got. Well, there's a few questions, and most of them are just like, repeat what happened in the story. But question number three is, what does it mean to say that Jesus has risen from the dead? That's an internal question that we've been dealing with for 2,000 years. Right. It's like, why uh why do we still talk about this stuff like i another podcasting friend i have who, uh, in australia asked me he's like why do you keep reading the same story and over over and over it's like a boring book group or something and i was like <laughs> well because no one ever really gets it that's why i have to keep reading the same story i yeah. said if everybody got it and started acting rightly towards each other then i would happily retire mm-hmm. if all of a sudden it just clicked yeah, and then everybody started acting rightly and the world was nice place to live. Like then I could retire and go do something else. Yeah. So yeah, it's a worthy question. What does it mean to say that Jesus That's a it's a it's a heady question for kids. Like what does it mean? Yeah. Kids. I mean, we could go back to my Paul quote I said where the whole reason he wrote that was because God, I'm going deep into theology today. Um Jesus was resurrected in body 
and then ascended in body. So yeah. everybody thought that that's what would happen. And they thought that Jesus was going to return right away. Right. To, to bring everybody up to heaven. And then when he didn't, everyone started getting worried. Like, well, my wife already died and she's, you know, buried. And is she going to come back basically as a zombie, you know, to be crude about it? But like, are these people going to come back as zombies, like rotting corpses? And uh, Paul's like, no, 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 you'll get a new body. Like your body will be refreshed. And then that's the whole thing with cremation, which is why until fairly recently in the grand scheme of time, the Roman Catholic Church didn't allow cremation right because they thought you wouldn't be resurrected that's not where the whole preservation of the body comes from funeral directors and then they said but now you're kind of like running out of space and it's prohibitively expensive to have a you know all that stuff is very expensive that's another axe to grind that yeah. i have but um so then they're like no 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 uh it's it's metaphysical <laughs> You'll there have you a go. new body. <laughs> good, good, because I could use one. Right, like, uh, good, I'll take it. You make me, uh, you know, give me like an 18-year-old body but with 30 less pounds on it <laughs> than I had at 18. <laughs> now, the question remains, is it easier for a kid to explain what does it mean that Jesus has risen from the dead? Or is it easier to do the get out and do it activity, which is this. Here's the uh -oh. Easter activity to do. Just do this. Plan and then make an Easter treasure hunt just for your family and friends. Make paper dolls of Jesus, the 12 disciples, an angel, two soldiers, and the women who visited Jesus' tomb. Have an adult or older friend hide the paper dolls in the house or around a room, find the figures, and then using tape and a large sheet of butcher paper, hang up the dolls to create a scene showing the rising of Jesus. Have someone in the group tell the story, hallelujah. And yes, it does end with hallelujah. I did not throw that in there at the end. That's a lot of effort. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it's easier to... Get a group of friends together and figure out what it means by Jesus rising from the dead. That, to me, is the easier yeah, task. Yeah, like at my house, that's a lot of effort for my two-year-old to rip the figure to shreds or chew on it. You yeah. know, like, I don't know. <laughs> Once you get to a get certain bored. age, too, like, working a pair of scissors around a little paper character, that's just, that's the rest of my day. That sounds like a good project for like a Sunday school class to do. Right. You know, all the kids together do it. And then they have the fan the rest of the family comes and it's kind of like a fun parish activity. Like you go in the parish hall and the Sunday school kids have hidden the figures around the parish hall and then everybody looks. That would be fun. But yep. yeah, I don't think I would do that at my own house. And, just... and just like in the Easter story, everyone's hiding and you have to find them. Yeah. Remember that part of the story where the soldiers were hiding? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, there's two soldiers. No Judas. No Judas. Well, I guess the 12 disciples. So that would include Judas. Well, there's 13 disciples. There's 13 disciples. So, yeah, they left him out. Poor Math well, Matthias comes later. So poor Matthias always gets the short end of the stick. <laughs> Judas is wearing a tight bodysuit with, with dangly sleeves. And he's getting ready to come down and sing us a rockin' song. Or drink my blood <laughs> in the form of Gerard Butler. <laughs> you, you are, you are the only person in the world who is the, who is who loves Dracula two thousand. Champions I that love film. that movie. It's terrible, <laughs> but I love it. Yeah, Christopher that... Plummer must have gotten divorced or something because uh, what was he doing? <laughs> Let that be your Easter movie this year, y'all. Johnny Lee Miller, Mister mm. <laughs> Angelina Jolie, number one. <laughs> well, where can I, we know where we are? Our listeners know where they are. Well, they'll be able to find you on Easter Sunday. But where can our listeners find you in general? Well, it's like I say, I have a website I never use, <laughs> therevlauren.com. But I keep paying for it, so it's there. But I restarted my Twitter. The only reason oh. I restarted my Twitter was to vote in the Flophouse podcast movie poll. And it's <laughs> at the Rev Lauren. So you can find me there. And that links to all my other stuff and whatever. Or St. Stephen's Episcopal Church in Port Washington, New York. 
There you go. Uh, if you're if you're in the area, uh, drop in for a service. Come on by. I'm pretty friendly. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't bother her. <laughs> Don't bother her. That's don't bother me on my day off. Yes. It's Friday. It's Friday. Don't calls on Friday. No calls on Friday. Uh, that's kind of my rule too. Except it's every day. Please don't bother me. Uh, I am very, I am very non-social. Uh, but you can find this show on Twitter at Bearcast. You can find me at BeastDameBearcast org because i am an organization you can find my other two podcasts uh pizza toast a podcast where we talk right now we're talking about the georgia nicholson series me and christy admiral or it's del toro time which i do with my daughter willow where we are discussing the influences on Guillermo del toro right now we are in the middle of the four-part uh ingmar bergman miniseries fanny and alexander uh which if you want to talk about religion let's talk fanny and alexander <laughs> uh, bergman just like whoa yeah, it's a it's considered a comedy, uh, uh, because because it has a happy ending. Is is there a joke in it? Like, is that I was watching this horror movie the other day, which was terrible on Hulu, and it said it was a horror comedy. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that would be comedic in it that in in the movie there was a practical joke. Okay, but I'm like, so that makes it a comedy. <laughs> There are some laughs. Uh, one of the one of the the main Alexander's uncle, one of his uncles, does uh, fart out a bunch of candles, which is pretty amusing. That's pretty funny. It is pretty funny. Uh, then he has a scene where he berates his wife for ten minutes, and that's not funny. But the farting yeah. was pretty amusing. So, did you say Cassavetes or Bergman? <laughs> It is it is Bergman at full Cassavetes in some sense. <laughs> I'm uh, like berating the wife. Sounds familiar. Uh, but uh, but that's it. Uh, pizza toast. It's El Toro time. That's where you can find me. The Rev Lauren. That's me. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Anytime. I love podcasts. Uh, I know you do. Uh, and uh, thank you for, for schooling us on, on religion and Easter and everything, everything in, in that delightful world. Uh, I love, ancient Egyptian scarab-headed gods. I love to learn. We all love to learn. <laughs> uh, and for everyone else out there, uh, I'll see you all next time. Deep in pear country. <laughs> <laughs>